biblical text this evening is found in 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 6 through 9. In this you will rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, even when it perishes as tested by fire, that your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in faith. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as, as you no doubt discerned from Dan's prayer, uh, several of uh, the dear ones in our body are suffering this week. Suzanne at Vanderbilt, Deb still at Park West, although she may have gotten out this evening. And, and uh, another dear one among us goes into uh, Thompson. Tuesday, because a so-called routine exam found something in her chest, so we'll let you know about that. But as is with all of life, at the very moment that all of this is going on, we had two lovely weddings this weekend. Uh, Ben and Madison were married last night. They were a part of our youth group uh, while they were here in town, and then a little bit during college on a lovely night out in the mountains, and uh, Douglas and Shelby, Douglas is our Youth minister, they were married yesterday uh, out in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. And I, I had the privilege of officiating at uh, Ben and Madison's wedding. And when outdoor weddings work on a lovely spring night in May, they are magical. Now, note to you young brides, they don't always work. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. I've done one in a tornado, literally. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're still married, but we did have a tornado. So, at any rate, it was a magical evening, and it was just filled with, filled with joy and love and all the good things about a wedding. And on, on the way home, I uh, spent a little time talking to Nora Hassel, Paul Hassel, and Dan Scaproth, just kind of checking in. And, you know, it was such an interesting juxtaposition of uh, a hospital room with all that that entails and uh, these lovely wedding and new beginnings and all that that entails. But there was something similar in both conversations. There was joy. Isn't that odd? Maybe that's the oddity of the Christian hope. Because even in Paul's and Dan's conversation as they talked about caring for their loved one, there was this deep sense of inner peace and hope um, that was similar to what Ben and Madison were feeling. How do you do that? How do you find joy when you're suffering? Well, that's really what Peter is talking about in these verses. He's writing uh, believers that are suffering under some persecution around 60 A.D. 
And I just thought we'd slowly look at those verses and see what we can learn about finding joy in suffering. And one of the things that you might do to just make this more applicable is just, just step aside for a moment and ask yourself, where do I need to apply this tonight? Where is the place in my life where I'm experiencing a trial or some pain or some suffering or some frustration? It's fine if you don't have anything. Don't go dig it up. But most of the time, there's usually something. And so you might just kind of take a moment and, uh, and think about that. Just where, where, where does God want to talk to me about finding joy and suffering tonight? What, what it, or maybe I could put it like this. What part of my life is threatening to steal my joy tonight? So if you kind of zero in on, on that. Well, he starts off and he says, In this you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So the readers are grieved by various trials. Uh, The word trial can mean either tests, like uh, something that comes against you to strengthen you, or temptation, which can mean something that steals your faith and tips you over. And the result of the trial is grief. And that is a Greek word that refers to internal distress that comes from outward pain. And so if we were going to kind of play with this and put it in you know, today's language, Peter might say something like this. He, he, he might say, when you encounter various kinds of trauma and internalize it. When you experience things and you suffer and it goes inside of you, and it, it just be, that distress starts to kind of hang out in your heart and your soul and your body. I think that's what Peter's talking about here. Of course, that's why suffering and trauma is so challenging, is when it's over, it's not over. You, know, you carry it with you. And, and I've been thinking a lot about trauma lately for some reason, and reading a little bit about it, and talk with some folks about it. And, you know, it's interesting. We all want joy, right? We all want to have peace, hope, happiness. But what we do when we experience trauma is that we tend to make up a story that will help us find joy. So if, uh, uh, oh, let's use this for an example. A young man marries only to have his marriage collapse in the first year, so he makes up a story. The story is, all relationships are deadly. I'll never give my heart to another person again. Or a father criticizes his son, points out the son's every weakness, never says he's proud of him. And so the boy makes up a story. Something's deeply wrong with me. I will always fail, and so I'm not going to try anything great in my life. You know, if I could give you a little homework assignment. I was doing this myself this week. Uh, ask God to, to reveal a great trauma in your life. Just say, hey, Lord. Um, no, nah, don't start, hey, Lord. Just, you know, that's a little. Just start, Lord. Lord, what's a, what's a trauma that really affected the way that I relate to the world? And then ask yourself, what's the story that I tell myself about the trauma? Well, my mother was mentally ill. She abandoned me. 
I realized very quickly that life isn't fair or safe or in control, so I decided I'd become a mother in every situation that I'm in. We all do it. We all have a, a story that usually comes out of trauma that kind of figures out how we live our life. The problem is it never leads to joy. That young man that got the early divorce decided he's never going to give his heart away. Is he going to find joy in that? No. So what does Peter say to do when we encounter these traumas that affect us internally and, and our pain starts to seep out through our stomachs and our backs and our headaches and our anxiety and our nightmares? Peter says, in this rejoice. Well, what's, what are we supposed to rejoice in? This. What's the this? We looked at it last week. The story of the gospel in verses 3 to 5 According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice. So what he's saying is, if you're struggling with joy, find a better story. If you've gone through trauma, if you're suffering, you've internalized it, the only way you're going to work your way back to joy is not with the story that you made up about how you're going to make life work apart from God. The way you're going to find your way back to joy is in this, in the gospel story, in this beautiful, beautiful story of a merciful God who seeks us and finds us and comes after us and rises from the dead and calls us to himself and fills us with his spirit and gives us an inheritance and guards us all along the way. That's the story that gives us joy. Here's why this is difficult, is that that the stories we make up to deal with the trauma that we had early in our life are all in our basement. We're not aware of them. So part of the work of spiritual formation, part of the reason we come and we worship and we listen to the word is because it can surface those false scripts that we're living by. Do you know what yours is? It won't lead you to joy. In this, rejoice. Well, what happens when we start to do that? Well, he says that when we do this, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, just as gold is purified through the fire, so suffering purifies our faith. Paul says the same thing in Romans 5. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I was talking to someone earlier this week about a family challenge that they were going through with a particular loved one, and it actually became quite an ordeal, and something kind of fell apart on a vacation, and it resulted in quite a bit of sacrifice and struggle and tension and stress. 
And he said, right in the middle of it, the Lord said, I'm pruning you. And at that moment, the whole narrative, right? This is terrible. We're wasting money. Everything's going wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Switch to, I'm pruning you. And they were able to see God's hand in this bad situation purifying. I don't think we go out looking for bad things to happen. They will. (laughs) You don't need to go look for them. But when they do, one of the ways that we can find joy is to remember God is using this to bring about faith in my heart. Think again of that thing I asked you to think about a moment ago. That place where you're really suffering tonight, the the person that you're thinking about or the challenge you're facing, the habit that's about to take you out. Step back for a moment and remember, even in the middle of this trial, even though it's not what you want, God is using this to make you like him. And that can give us joy. Not only that, our seasoned faith will be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying there is one of the things we need to keep in mind when we suffer, especially when you suffer for the gospel, is that one day Jesus Christ will say, well done. Peter probably heard the Lord tell a number of stories about being faithful in times of trial, so that one day the Lord would say, well done. And I think he's specifically dealing here with people who are suffering for for their faith. Now, at this point, usually we think, well, this doesn't apply to us because we don't suffer for our faith. And that's true. We don't suffer like they did. We don't suffer like people do in other parts of the world. But it's not ever really helpful to, to relativize pain. I see people do this all the time, and I just think it is so spiritually unhelpful. I'm really struggling tonight with my son, say, but I know there are people who have got it much worse, so let's not deal with my stuff. Well, yeah, but your reality is it's your son or your daughter or your mother that you're wrestling with. That's your pain. Yes, people have it worse in India. But that doesn't, so what? I mean, you don't get anywhere with that. So can we as a congregation just kind of have a no India rule, okay? <laughs> you know, that we're trying to be honest about our pain. We don't go, but I know they got it worse than India. Okay, we all know they've got it worse than India. Well, let's deal with what the pain is tonight. Because there are small ways that, that we struggle, that we sacrifice, that, that hurt. I think of a single woman I know who would like to be married. She's had several opportunities to be married to men but the men are not following Christ, and so she said no. That's painful. Maybe you're a generous family on a low income. You're just starting a business. You don't have a lot of money, but you have people over, and you, you give generously to your, the causes that you support, to the church, to whatever. That's a sacrifice, Right? 
you have six people over and you feed them all something, that means you got less money to go around the rest of the week. It's a sacrifice. Got a meeting tomorrow with Dan Holbrook. One of many meetings I've been in over the years with him. We're working on a nonprofit situation. Dan has helped more nonprofits get going around the city than probably anybody else. Is that suffering? No, he wouldn't call it suffering. But from 3 to 4.30 in the middle of his day, we're sitting around a desk and he's doing something he's not getting paid for to do something for the kingdom, which means he'll be there an hour and a half longer. That's a sacrifice. I know of an actor who's decided that there are some roles he just won't play. And that has limited his career. That's a sacrifice. I, I think of uh, all the volunteers that'll be with us around the pool this summer for the swim team. It's fun. A lot of the time. Sometimes it's not. There's a great deal of emotional, physical energy that goes into it. When you're done, it's 8 o'clock. You've thrown out a night or maybe two nights or maybe three nights. Is that suffering? No. But anytime you decide to give yourself to other people, to lead a small group, to have teachers over to encourage them, or whatever it is you decide to do, and you decide not to just have that night to take a walk and chill and rest and have a good meal, you are offering a sacrifice. And so I think one of the things Peter is saying is when you do that, Christ is pleased. And he will say, well done. Thank you. Appreciate you doing that. And that's a way to find joy when we suffer. Well, then he ends with this beautiful sentence. It seems a little bit of a non sequitur, but the more you think about it, it's not. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you don't now see him, you believe in him. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Remember, Peter had seen the risen Christ. His readers had not seen the risen Christ. And so he was saying, look, I know you haven't seen him, but you've believed the word of the witnesses that preached about him. And now you're in relationship with him and you love him. And that gives you an inexpressible joy even as you suffer. What is the ultimate source of joy when you're suffering? Jesus. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ, his life in you by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that is a result of that relationship. I think last night when I was talking to Dan, when I was talking to Paul, that's, that's what I was hearing Not happiness. They're not having any fun at all. It's horrible. But the joy that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, you know, you can't make this up, right? You you can't just kind of grind out joy. It has to come from somewhere, and the somewhere is your relationship with Jesus Christ. So where do you need to find joy tonight? What part of your life threatens to rob your joy? In this rejoice, friend, 
Go back to the story of the gospel. Sit with it. Remember that suffering purifies our faith. And when you sacrifice for your faith, look forward to the day when he praises you for a life well lived. And above all, turn to the Christ within you who fills his children with unspeakable joy. Let's pray.